Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Swish Waterlad podcast. For anyone who's new to the podcast, Swish is an awesome platform where you can get a video message from some of your favourite sports stars. It is the ideal gift for someone, especially anyone out there who idolises a sports star. I even got my own one last week from someone I'm loving watching play. One of my favourite players at the moment, Big Peter Gasso Cooler, and I absolutely love it. I can also get you 10% discount off your purchase with the code WATERLAD and believe it or not, up to 70% of all proceeds go to Kiwi Kids Charities, which is the best bit of it all. I'll leave a link in the description so that you just have to click on that. Also, if you want to see my message from Big Peter Gus, head over to the WATERLAD Instagram page and it'll be up there so you sort of get an idea of what it's like. Also, before we start, I have the great Tim Bateman here with me to tell you about this exciting opportunity that he has for all Waterland listeners. Cheers, Jimmy. Are you looking for an exciting career for life after rugby? My name's Tim Bateman, and I've been a professional rugby player for the last 17 years. My plan for life after rugby was to get into the wellbeing and recovery industry, so I built O Studio, New Zealand's largest wellbeing and recovery centre. O Studio has given me a career option where I can take advantage of the skills I've built through rugby. It works for my family, it lets me own my own time, and it's given me the financial freedom I need to do what I want with my life. Despite the challenges of COVID, we've seen consistent growth in our business, and we've decided to expand O Studio throughout New Zealand and abroad. It's an exciting time for the wellbeing industry, and we're looking for top lads to be a part of it by opening your own O Studio. If you're interested, head to ostudio.co.nz lad to inquire or send me an email at tim at ostudio.co.nz. Back to the show. What a lad. Well, there'll be a lot of you happy with the guest I have on today as I've had plenty of requests to get this lad on. He's had a hell of a career to date after starring for Canterbury, winning all sorts with the Crusaders and even achieving what every Kiwi kid dreams of and becoming an All Black. Last season, he headed up north to the mighty Manawatu Turbos where he was one of the best players in the comp and he is currently over in Japan playing for his beloved Kamaishi Sea Waves. And on top of all that, by all accounts, he's one of the greatest lads around. It is the champion, man. Brett Cameron, welcome, mate. G'day, Jimmy. No, cheers for having me. Cheers for the intro. Uh, big, big fan of the show. Always tune in and listen to a few good yarns. So stoked to be on. Mate, appreciate you coming on, fitting it into your busy Japanese schedule over there. I understand you've got a week off, but you're still getting absolutely hammered. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit different. Um, getting used to the training load over here. We're yeah, still flat out in the bye week, but that's nah, all good. And avoiding contact. <laughs> yeah, just being smart still in those contact drills, just getting on the edge. A few double, few just second shoulders in there that'll do me. <laughs> Mate, how you how you finding it over there in a the hole? How you finding the lifestyle and um, life in Japan? Yeah, it's not too bad. I um I love Japan. It's an awesome, awesome place to live. Um, and the people here are awesome. So. It's been a cool experience so far. Didn't realise um, sort of how far away Kamaishi was initially. It's, it's way up north, so it's a, it's a quiet little town. So there's not a lot to do here, but been trying to get out of, out and about a wee bit. And you got a good group of foreigners there. Obviously, the people's champ, Sammy Henwood, and uh, Morgan Mitchell as well. If he's anything like his brother Scratcher, he'll be a lad as well. Yeah, a couple of absolute lads. So it's um, 
it's awesome to have those boys just to kick around with and, <laughs> and talk some shit with it training. And how are you finding the footy? Like it's obviously a different style and um, different level to what you've been playing. Yeah, it's it's a lot different. Um, the team's been struggling quite a bit, so it has been a wee bit frustrating and still kind of getting used to dealing with that, I guess. But you just got to um, adjust and get used to, I guess, a different way of, of playing. But it's still still enjoyable and still um, having a good time. Just hopefully we can get a few good results in this back end of the season. Yeah, and running the cutter at 10 um, with all Japanese players around you. I know I personally struggled with that but how are you going your Japanese or Nihongo must be pretty fluent <laughs> far from it I've, I've dabbled in a few lessons to try but that goes out the window when you're on the field <laughs> um, yeah still getting used to sort of coming around the corner and it's just crickets outside yeah so it's a bit different but <laughs> still good <laughs> have you got a translator with your team uh, one of the halfbacks is our translator so it's handy when he's on the field, but sometimes when if he's not playing, it's sort of you try chip in in the huddles, but you don't really know what what's going in and what's just going straight over their heads. So yeah, it's tough at times. <laughs> and Stephen Donald mentioned about the kick pressure over there. How hard it is for a team to try and apply his kicking game to on a game without the kick chase. But have you found that over there as well? <laughs> yeah, I listened to that and I was cracking up. I've had a few similar scenarios for sure, um, but sort of just try to keep the ball in hand a bit more anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and did you just sign a one-year contract, was it? Yeah, just over here for the season, yeah. Because there was a lot of talk around um, a lot of super rugby teams wanting to get you out of this contract after your season with Manawatu. How close were you of getting out of the contract? Uh, yeah, it was, a bit, it was a bit of a tough one. Sort of tried to look at it a little bit, but um, unfortunately it was just a bit late in the piece. So I didn't want to pull out that late and I was, I was pretty committed to coming over here. And It was a bit unfortunate, the timing. Um, would have loved to stay in New Zealand, but still it's been a, an awesome experience coming over here. Not bad for the wallet either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, not too bad. Definitely not, not <laughs> chinning what some of those big boys are down in Tokyo. <laughs> yeah that's true the D-Max of the world oh they're taking it all for everyone but your plan's still to come back to New Zealand you're back with Manawatu and then see what happens you filled up your pockets and hoping to give Super Rugby a crack next year is that is that sort of the goal? Yeah um, I'm back with Manawatu really looking forward to that and yeah that's that's my goal at the moment I want to you know play Super Rugby again I guess coming over here sort of reconfirm that for me that I, I just really want to compete at a high level and test myself I guess prove to myself that I can um, compete you know at super and uh, I'd love to get the opportunity so we'll see what happens what teams were after you all of them <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah there's only sort of one that had a crack in the end but yeah it was just a bit too late and is that the team you're potentially looking to go to next year or you're just going to see how the season goes and then assess it later in the year yeah I think I sort of just have to see how it goes um obviously can't control what what those teams are thinking at the moment and they've got some quality 10s and all and all the teams playing in a good competition at the moment so just gotta um wait and see and hopefully I can still put my best foot forward um if there's still time Mate, exciting stuff, exciting stuff for New Zealand rugby to have you back in the game over here. But 
as always, I know you're a listener, so I like to go back to what it was like for all my guests growing up. So um, I don't know too much about your upbringing, but pretty keen to hear it. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, grew up in mighty Wanganui. Uh, had, a, had an awesome childhood. Um, just, just grew up around sports all the time. Dad was a keen uh, sportsman, and it was just sort of rugby all winter and cricket all summer pretty much through all of my schooling and had an awesome bunch of mates and a lot of family in Wanganui, so it was a it was an awesome place to grow up. How'd you go at cricket? Uh, not too bad. I um, used to just bat and, and keep a little bit, played uh, just a lot of club cricket in, in Wanganui and uh, made a few rep teams through the grades and absolutely loved it. Still love it. Haven't played in a while, but um, always watch it on, on telly and... Yeah, I was lucky enough to sort of play for Wanganui men's team for a few years, so that was um, good fun. Well, you you would have been coming through the same age grades as Geordie Barrett, were you? Yeah, yeah, we played together, uh, Central Districts under 17s, so we used to play against each other when we were younger as well, when he was playing for the Naki, so he, he said I had him for his <laughs> first six, so I would take that. Tried to bowl a, a bump of the grub at a short little fella who's probably not as much higher than the stumps so sent him on his way <laughs> and then you followed him down to uni down at Lincoln Uni wasn't it yeah um yeah it was a bit of a late call going to uni uh, uh down in Lincoln and I didn't really have many mates that I knew going but I knew Geordie was going so it was it was awesome to have him down there and we sort of just kicked around together for the first few weeks until we found our feet. Were you living with him? Um, yeah, we were both in the halls first year and then um, we lived together our second year, uh, flatting. I think he mentioned it on here as well. We are in a flat of seven um, and our second year, was, it, it was a good time. <laughs> sounded like you guys got up to all sorts. Sounded like loose times. <laughs> I don't know how he played um, <laughs> NPC that year the way he did, um, considering our living situation. <laughs> And were you were you in the NPC squad at the time, or were you playing club rugby at this stage? No, I was just playing um, club footy. Yeah, played a few uh, Canterbury B development games, but I'm um, just playing for Lincoln. Is that the mighty Rams? Yeah, sure is, mate. Give me the rundown of life as a Ram. It sounds like it's one of the great times. Lots of questions came in about the mighty Rams. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, still love going back and playing for them. It's awesome playing with those boys, and it's pretty cool now. Um, obviously when we were young we got to play with a few crusaders and stuff that would come back so now being on the other side of it it's it's so cool to mix and mingle with those young boys and see mm. they're still getting up to mischief like we used to <laughs> but we always had a had a really strong side out there so it was good footy and it was good fun do you just come back and dominate the court sessions and stuff <laughs> nah I, I don't know if i want to see what's going on in there now I don't know, hopefully it hasn't gotten any worse, but um, I went back to one initiations and it's it's crook. Like, yeah, it still haunts me. I was so scared going into it as a as a wee nineteen year old. What'd you have to do? <laughs> Probably don't want to say half of it, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's just yeah, all sports. <laughs> So when did the switch flick that you were going to try and give professional rugby a go? When did you think this was an opportunity for you? Um, actually, not till I left school. Cricket was my main sport pretty much all the way up until I left high school. 
but in my final year of school I made a couple of um, camps with, with the Hurricane schools and New Zealand schools so um, after that experience of sort of like a higher level and a bit of a professional environment um, I sort of thought you know this is what I'm keen to do um, after that I think I was playing some decent rugby uh, Colts my first year that was that was awesome um, but it still seemed like a long way away I remember watching the Div 1 team and thinking geez like hopefully I play this before I leave uni but um, made the under 19s and then we uh, from there sort of a couple under 20s camps and then that was when I sort of really wanted to push on and um, once I got into the Crusaders Academy that was um, a big step up and um, sort of gives you a taste of of what you need to do to make a, a professional team and that was probably the best place to be for it. Um, so I learned a lot and just wanted to keep keep getting better. And how did the Canterbury call-up come about? Um, I actually signed a, a development contract with Tasman that year. Did you? Um, so I was about to head up for, they wanted me to go up and play club rugby up there and um in the end I sort of just had to ask the coaches and stuff like what are the what are the chances of me actually getting a full contract out of this or or playing and it was pretty low so I I ended up pulling pin and just staying um in Christchurch for club rugby played a couple of the Ranfilly Shield uh pre-season games and and went all right and then ended up uh getting a contract from that so uh, worked out in the end. True. Did you feel comfortable playing in those games, those Ranfilly Shield games? Did you feel uh, like you were good enough? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Um, basically, the whole team was was club players at the time, so I felt like I was playing some pretty good club rugby, and it was it was pretty cool. Made my debut uh, for Canterbury against Wanganui, oh, yeah. hometown in a Shield game, yeah. so that was pretty pretty crazy. Growing up, always wanted to play for the Butcher Boys, and then playing against <laughs> them, so it was, that was awesome. True. And then what about when you had your debut in an um, NPC match? Yeah, that was an uh, awesome feeling and it definitely felt like a massive step up, just the pace and the uh, physicality. Um, but that year was probably still one of my most enjoyable years. Um, we had an awesome team, ended up winning that, that year in 2017. But I got a, not too much game time, but uh, started a couple of games and um, just little cameos off the bench here and there and just... I guess I was sort of just not thinking too much that year and just playing instinctive and, and I really enjoyed it. And is that when you got your call up to the Crusaders after that season? Um, no, I didn't. I I just did a pre-season uh, with them after that oh. uh, first year. Yeah, But uh, ended up being on the bench for a couple of games and playing one just as injury cover. I think Richie was injured and maybe Mike Delaney had a, had a wee niggle. You mentioned Richie there. Obviously, he's recently come on the podcast but someone you've been behind a lot throughout your career you mentioned not getting too much of a run in the Canterbury squad in 2017 obviously he was running the cutter then um, pretty much through your whole Crusaders time there was that man in front of you as well so what was it like being under him uh, what did you learn from him what's he like yeah he's awesome eh? we're, we're really good mates now and um, it was so cool coming in and um, he was someone I looked up to so to sort of just shadow him for for a few years and especially that first year and just I didn't say too much, just sort of followed and, and watched what uh, how he prepared and I guess what 
what goes in during the week for his performance on the weekend. So that was awesome. But yeah, at times like it's it's a tough act to follow. Um, he's he's such a good team man. Like when he when he speaks, everyone everyone listens, and he's he's a bit of a joker. So. Mm. There was like a bit of pressure, I guess, and just in my own head at times, like having to stand up in front of the team after after someone like that um, was pretty tough initially. And what about on the field as well? Obviously, off the field, he has this persona that everyone respects. What about on the field with the performances? He obviously has driven that side round very well for obviously the past five or six years. And every time you get the opportunity, is the expectation the same? Yeah, he, he he's awesome. Obviously, you see what he's done in the last few seasons of Super Rugby he's he's a crazy um, player and um, very smart in the way that he can um, deal with scenarios out there so I learned a lot in that respect um, and just I guess just had to try and take my opportunities um, when I got the chance. And you obviously did because a big moment in your career was when you were named for the All Blacks Talk me through that whole experience from your point of view. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy initially. Um, I'd only played uh, one yeah one game that year for the Crusaders, um, and was just playing NPC. And I think remember the the team naming that they were they were doing that big fifty man squad for the Northern Tour for that Japan game, and I I was really keen to tune in just to see if any like any boys I knew were going to make it. Yeah. Um, but never, never thought that I was a chance. And we're out training, and then our coach brought us into the team room after training, and he sort of just rattled off all the boys that were were getting picked, and we were we were stoked for guys like Bridgie, Drummo, and and stuff that hadn't been there before. And then my name was last, and I sort of paused for a second, like I had to see if he was being serious, and uh, the boys sort of just erupted, and it was. Um, it was a bit of a whirlwind, but it was it was awesome. And just going into that environment after a good NPC campaign was like just topped off an awesome year, and it was um, yeah an unreal experience. Yeah, that's crazy. I know a lot of guys say they weren't really expecting their name to get read out when they when they're sitting down and watching it, but like you said, you'd only played one um, Super Rugby game, so I could imagine you were literally shocked when that when your name was read out. Yeah, big time head. Yeah, nah, no idea whatsoever. And did you feel comfortable going in the environment? Uh, probably not. Like, um, it, it was. It made it a lot better having lots of good mates um, in there, having Geordie and um, the Canary Boys, and I roomed with Richie all week, so that made it a lot easier for me. And I think the coaches sort of made that week quite uh, relaxed for us. Obviously, it was a it was a pretty new team, and we only had a week to prepare, so it, there wasn't too much um, going on that week. But it was crazy initially, just going into and sitting in the team room and and looking around of the of the boys that were in there. But, you know, that's where you want to be, and it was it was pretty awesome. Yeah, and then talk me through the game. You obviously playing against Japan. You were on the bench. Um, what do you like on the bench? You're a nervous wreck, or you're all good? For some reason, that that game I wasn't nervous at all. I was sitting there like. I'm way more nervous playing for Lincoln than I am here at the moment, so it's a bit weird. <laughs> but I guess it's tough, like, when you're a 10 on the bench, you're usually the last one to get on, so you just you get to that stage when you're like, oh, come on, I just want to get out there. Yeah. It just sort of take it off. But um, yeah. I think it was about seven minutes or eight minutes to go, and 
got the call to to get out there and I was I was just really excited to get out there and and have a crack. Um, unfortunately, only I think I touched the ball once. We were just on defense. I didn't get to do too much, and it went by pretty quick. What a touch that was, though. <laughs> yeah, I think I got a bit lucky there. I was just ran a line off Richie as the ball was going into touch. I either I was either going to get lit up or go through, and thank God it went through. Oh, one of the greats. You're probably so relaxed that you're probably more nervous about the the hucker before you sat down on the bench, were you? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You always sort of wonder, like, if the boys practice it and stuff. But we did like one little low key run through. But I guess you you do it in front of the TV. You definitely know it, like, as you're a kid. So, but I was more nervous for that actually. Like looking up at the big screen, I was like, "Geez, what's going on here? Get the camera off me!" <laughs> yeah, no poo cunners over here. <laughs> Yeah, but Ethan said that he learnt his off YouTube. So is there a little bit of truth to that? You actually only sort of do one quick practice. Yeah, one little captain's run, I guess, just in the hotel. I think, yeah, maybe we just did it because there was so many new boys that were all a bit nervous about it. So did you did you know the huck already, just from what you'd seen before? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like I, I knew we'd probably do the, the old one. <laughs> and I think, yeah, Steve said during the week, he's like, yeah, we'll... We'll do the old boy. <laughs> so pretty much knew it. And then post that game, talk to me about what life was like for you post that game. I felt like you copped a fair bit of criticism for your selection potentially. Did you feel any backlash from being named? Yeah, a, a little bit. Um, but initially, like, I, I didn't think about it. I I came home back to back to Christchurch for a bit, back to the races, enjoyed my <laughs> summer with the, with the flatties down there and back home. So that... That was good fun, but I sort of knew coming back that yeah, I was going to get a bit of stick, but it is what it is. It always happens, and I guess it, like parents and good mates and everything sort of just reassured me that you know that doesn't just happen. You, you pick for a reason, so I just had to, to believe that. And um, Yeah, I didn't feel like I went out with, with too much pressure the following year, but at, at times I probably did get a little bit in my own head about it and just just wanting to perform Mm. and then the following year same situation for you didn't get a huge amount of game time from memory still sitting behind Richie yeah it was tough um yeah sort of just getting five minutes off the bench here and there and I guess at a a stage I sort of got into a bad mindset of um looking back it's it's a shocking mindset but at times you feel like when you come on for five minutes, the game's already won and, and all you can really do is kind of stuff something up. So, yeah, it was tough sort of just being in those situations more often than not. And But that's on me. Like, you just got to be ready to take your opportunities. And, yeah, unfortunately, that year didn't didn't go too well. Did it ever cross your mind to change franchises or were you always pretty comfortable down there, happy in that Crusaders environment? Uh, yeah, it did a little bit. Um but I actually didn't. I didn't have any sort of opportunities come my way to to move. Um, but but definitely thought about you know I want to go somewhere to have a crack at at being the starter. Um, that was that was always the goal. And then talk to me about the move up to Manawa Two, the mighty turbos. Yeah, it sort of came up just after yeah the twenty twenty NPC season. I sort of sat on the bench for most of it and. Um, I just sort of felt like I had a lot more to offer um, than what I was getting that year and 
yeah, initially I, w- I wasn't too keen to move. I wanted to keep going, but um, just saw it as an awesome opportunity for a for a change. Like I hadn't had change since I moved from school. Like I'd always been in Christchurch, so it was a good opportunity to challenge myself in a new team. And I guess just game time was a was a massive part of it. Like just being in the saddle and being able to sort of grow as a leader and and run a team. And you obviously did that straight away, massive influence on the turbos. How'd you find it once you were up there? Yeah, I loved the day, awesome bunch of lads. And it was it was awesome for me just being close to home. It's just 45 minutes down the road. So I think that benefited me a lot as well, just being back with family and friends and mm. sort of gave me that time to just head home and switch off from footy at times. But yeah, going there, I just wanted to, to earn the respect of the boys and I think once I felt like I was I was going all right then I was able to sort of step up more as a leader and keep growing my game and growing the team. Did you feel like there was pressure on you coming into the side being probably the marquee signing the 10 did you feel extra pressure around that? Um, Initially like I sort of thought about it but I was just really excited to go and didn't didn't really feel any pressure um, once I went up there. It was sort of the opposite, and it just it just came back to having having fun again and just really finding the enjoyment. And mm. I think it, that always just shows um, when you're playing your best. You're just having fun and not not thinking too much. And you mentioned there was a fair few lads up there as well. You've got the likes of Chippy, Liam Mitchell, and all these roosters up there who love having a good time. So no doubt you fit it in well. <laughs> Yeah, probably hung out with him a wee bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't get to experience the bucket heads at full force. Um, obviously, COVID put a dampener on that. But, mate, this year, hopefully, crowds are back and you're going to get to experience the bucket heads up in that corner winding you home. Oh, fingers crossed. There, there's a few up there for one game, but, yeah, we need to get them back out in full force. Maybe Chippy will come back <laughs> for a holiday from Italy and get them going. <laughs> They could do with Chaffee to return as their inspirational leader, definitely. I could imagine you would have been a bucket head back in the day too if you were up there. Probably if I was in Palmy. Never really supported the Turbos. They eh? we were just sort of always just Wanganui. Have you got any ambitions to play for Wanganui at any point? Um, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Um, no real like ambition, but <laughs> if, if the opportunity came up at the end of my career, like I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to do it. And there's there's actually heaps of boys playing like super and stuff now. And when we're home, we always talk about it. Like there's Sam Malcolm, Tarangatira, Waitokia, who played for Manawatu, and they're over in America. Yeah, they want to do it at some stage. And then there's Stevie Pirafita, Jonah Nareki, Villamoni Karoi. So we <laughs> we always talk about if we could all get out on the field for Wanganui at one stage, that would be good stuff. <laughs> yeah, imagine that might be a shield defence. Season shield defense. <laughs> Try to get it back down in the heartland. <laughs> oh, imagine that. That would be loose. <laughs> but what are your plans other than coming back to New Zealand? Um, have you got much of a goal for sort of the next five years? Have you you're keen to get you're keen to give New Zealand rugby another crack? You sound like you've got unfinished business here. Yeah, haven't got like too much of a long term plan, but yeah, for sure want to come back to New Zealand and ideally the next couple of years in New Zealand be awesome to play super and then yeah definitely keen to to get back overseas and have some new new experiences again yeah playing rugby overseas 
Is it All Blacks a big goal for you? Is that a big carrot for you? Uh, not not really at the moment. Like, I guess it's always there a little bit. Like, you'd, you'd love to get back there and, and anything can happen. And I guess I know that if, if I, you know, can come back and, and play some, some good rugby, who knows? But at the moment, for me, it's just, I just want to come back and play at a high level. And um, I know my best footy is still ahead of me. So um, just, yeah looking to do that in New Zealand at the moment. Mate, after talking to Beaver a few weeks ago, I feel like this story has a fair bit of Beaver about it and potentially you might be getting a late call-up into the World Cup over in France next year. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll just go find a river and go white baiting somewhere while that's going on. <laughs> I'm predicting it. I reckon you're going to have a massive super rugby next year. Um, the criticism will probably still be coming. You'll get the call-up and you'll be kicking. A winning goal. (laughs) We will see. But uh, also, life after footy. I know you're only 25. It's a long way away for you, but um, you've been studying at uni. No doubt you're a very intelligent man. What are your plans? Yeah, finished up at uni somehow. Only took me five years to get a sport and rec degree. (laughs) But um, I guess I've got that to fall back on. And um, just from, from school, I had like an awesome teacher and coach and he was like a mentor for me and I guess ever since then I've I've always wanted to be a teacher and just I guess have the opportunity to do that for someone else um, would be awesome so that's mm-hmm. that's probably the only thing I have at the moment that you know I have a bit of a passion for. How did you manage to finish your degree? I know a lot of young guys um, are trying to study find it really hard to finish it while they start their professional rugby career. How did you manage to do that? I was probably lucky just that my first couple of years down there, I was able to knock off a few, like have a full year of study my first year and then I think maybe did six papers my second and then once I was sort of over halfway, I just thought, you know, I've got to just keep chipping away here and just try to do a couple of papers a semester, maybe one. Uh, when footy got a bit more full on, but yeah, I was stoked to be able to take that off in the end. Mm. No, that's that's massive, and no doubt you're going to be one of the great teachers. <laughs> Don't know about that. <laughs> we'll be recruiting you to Nelson College. <laughs> but as always, mate, we've gone to the Instagram for some questions, and plenty have come through. Lots of your Ram lads, um, lots of turbos. Um, so we'll get through some of these, see what we come up with. But um, why is Brett the biggest grub to play for the Rams? <laughs> uh, I'm definitely not a grub, not on the field anyway. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably talking about some off-field stuff when, you know, just being 19 and... <laughs> oh, any stories? <laughs> Not really. Uh, oh, there was one one year we ended up winning the club title, um, and for some reason they always have the final in Christchurch on a Sunday. And I had um, I had an exam on Monday morning at eight o'clock. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is going to be a sideshow, and um, <laughs> we decided to have have the do at our flat. That was our seven man flat with Geordie. Oh, yeah. So that that was a hell of a do people punching holes in the roof and the walls and all sorts and so I wasn't going to get much sleep that night anyway (laughs) 
And then I just remember waking up like on top of my bed, like fully still in my number one, still got my shoes on. And then I like hit my phone and it was 10 to 8. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, like under it, no time to get changed. Straight in the car, straight out to my exam, like 15 minute drive. <laughs> so I had to like rock into this exam late and everyone turns around and sees like me just in an absolute state and my number one's like coming in like, oh, what's this guy up to? <laughs> How did you go? Yeah, luckily it was multi-choice. So I was sort of just, you know, head spinning, just circling anything. And um, <laughs> results come back a couple of weeks later and I got 50% on the dot, C minus. <laughs> you beauty. <laughs> Oh, that is good stuff. Love that. Okay, next one. Um, mentioned this one a little bit earlier, but Crookus Rams initiation. Oh, yeah, probably my year felt pretty crook when I was getting initiated and then seeing it the year after was just as bad. But <laughs> you're just so scared because you're all in the flat and they're doing it in the garage and the older boys will come in and maybe take like three at a time or two at a time and they'll blindfold you and pull you into this garage and there's all sorts of noises going on and you know you have to get nude for half of it and then you just make your way across this table of all sorts of like crock drinks and eating stuff yeah it wasn't fun oh (laughs) that that does sound horrible 19 year old kid welcome welcome yeah Oh, good stuff. Okay, next one. Best Geordie Barrett stitch up. Must be a few of these from you. Um, I'm not sure. I can't really think of too many. There'd be a lot, but I'd be not throwing them under the bus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's just a shocker, like time management. Eh? Like I remember in the halls first year we played. I think it was a preseason game, and I was warming up, and we'd always like kick together in the warm up. And then, like, he just wasn't there, and I was like, oh, no. Like, so I sprinted over to the halls, like, banging on his window, and the curtains are shut, and he, like, pulls the blinds, and he's like, like, what? And I'm like, we're, we're warming up. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, he runs out, like, no bricky, just straight changed, and, like, typical him, like, still plays well. Like, unbelievable. <laughs> oh, that is good. Like that one. Classic. Classic Geordie. Okay, next one. Do you purposely tense your quads lining up a goal kick? I've never noticed this, but after looking through some photos, maybe you do. No, I definitely don't. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's maybe like the same (laughs) the same thing that I do as Geordie, like we got taught to sort of go up on our like rock up onto our toes a couple of times. So maybe (laughs) I don't know, maybe it's there. (laughs) And maybe a bit of Richie who who said he just wears extra small um, shorts. <laughs> yeah, well, I kind of have to anyway because I'm quite short, so I'm always in between <laughs> Yeah, in between sizes, so I probably am on a bit of the smaller side. <laughs> yeah, you either go short and um, small or baggy like Marty McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His are down below his ass, and he's got his socks down, hell of a set-up. <laughs> okay, next one. Um uh, can you ask him how many fresh limes he takes around the golf course? <laughs> yeah, I know who this is from. <laughs> and yeah, he's good for a stitch up. Trying to get out for a casual day on a 
you know, game of golf on a day off and he turns up with a box of Coronas and a little Tupperware container pre-cut limes ready to go. <laughs> As <laughs> this for the turbos, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, how good's that? Can't hold midweek. <laughs> okay, next one. Oh, this isn't. This is uh, the people's champ here. Here he comes. Have you ever been late to training because of a big night midweek, Sam Edward? <laughs> oh yeah, I did not get off to a good start over here. <laughs> <laughs> So we had like a bit of a Christmas do and uh, I'd only just got here and it was on a Sunday for some reason and, you know, we had a, had a couple of beers with dinner and I was like, oh, it's a good chance to, you know, get to know the foreign boys and <laughs> of course old Henny, he's like, yeah, no, we'll go, we'll go take you to this pub down the road, I'll sh- we'll show you the spots and then we go out, you know, a few more, keep going. <laughs> And like I've almost just fully forgotten that we've got a gym in the morning and just not in a good state and then I've just missed my alarm. Boys are ringing me like, where are you? We're in the gym. And I'm like, oh, rock up late. Not a good look. First week. <laughs> they hate stuff like that too over there, eh? Yeah, somehow I've, I've kind of got away with it. Probably cop a fine at the end of the year, but... <laughs> that is lucky. But Henwood would have been feeding you all of those strong zeros and all sorts of... Um, concoctions to get you absolutely hammered, no doubt. Oh, big time. He loves it. Last time he turned up with a like, backpack full of just all sorts of crook <laughs> Japanese beers. He's like, yeah, these go good. <laughs> what, highball whiskey and sodas? It's like horrific. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a rooster, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, next one. Are you eligible for another nation with the new stand-down rules? Uh, no, I'm not. Nah, haven't got any affiliations with any other. Nothing. Nah. True. Oh, that's interesting. Any Maldi? Nah. Nah. Dad works for the Maldi Land Court, so we'll say maybe <laughs> just a touch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next one. Oh, this is from Johnny Fauli. How's the yen coming from him? This is this is a big call. Yeah, coming from him, he's been over in Japan for how long now? For one, for that reason, he must be on big ten. <laughs> just breaking it, <laughs> eh? <laughs> Nothing on old Johnny. <laughs> how, how have you found your first, or like your first few yen payments? So it's always pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, um, yeah, it's good, good for the headspace if you're having a rough month, and then you get to the end of the month and. <laughs> payday rolls across <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you're like oh yeah no this is all good we'll keep going <laughs> yeah when life gets tough over there eh? yeah. <laughs> yeah. just refresh the bank account <laughs> that goes on to the next one what's the worst part about living in Japan what have you found um, it's probably just been like the COVID restrictions still like we haven't been allowed to do too much like I'd love to get out and explore and sort of get the full experience, but it's just the way it is at the moment. Like most of the time we haven't even been able to, to go out and eat out. So it's been pretty tough um, in that sense. How are you eating? What, who's, are you cooking yourself or are you doing the Elliot Dixon Uber Eats? <laughs> yeah, no, I've been trying to cook for myself, but um, yes, yeah, it's, it's tough cooking for one every night of the week. It is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you get pretty sick of it, so... 
it's fairly basic around here. What's your go-to? Uh, I sometimes just whip up like a big curry and freeze some and, you know, then if I can't be bothered, I can just heat that up. Oh, living. Japanese curry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you like that natto? Oh, nah, not a fan, eh? <laughs> Did you used to like it? Oh, awful stuff. I couldn't stand it, but some of the boys got into it, eh? Yeah, they love it, eh? It would have been a great snack for um, when you're cooking for one, just to smash back some natto. Tell you who loves it, Henny. Does I don't it? know why. Yeah. He smashes it. He said it's like a wee dessert for him. Yeah. <laughs> any, any free food for Henny goes down a treat. Yeah, that'll be it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next one. The next question is from... Our sponsors, Swish. If you could get a video shout-out from anyone, who would it be and why? Uh, probably Tiger Woods. He's probably my favourite sportsman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's just the GOAT. Both absolute grubs off the field. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next one. Who's the best 10 in world rugby right now? Oh, that's a tough one, eh? Um, there's a few, obviously, like Bodie and Richie that like on their day, unreal. And then there's just like Intermac and his combination with um, the nine in France at the moment is pretty unreal as well. Who, who's your, who would you be picking if you had to choose one? Three good shouts. Hard to argue. Um. I'll go. I'll go for Rich. Yeah, I thought you would. There it is. Yeah. Good call. Okay. Two more. Who's the most influential player in Japanese rugby? Is that another question from Henny? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> he wants me to say Sam Henwood. Oh, this one might be from Damien McKenzie, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I haven't watched like a lot, a lot of the top league stuff, so. I probably don't have much to say in that sense, but there's a few good players here in the second division. Like obviously, Quade Cooper, he pretty much runs the show for Kintetsu, so he he's up there in our division. And then there's a few good foreigners um, at Mitsubishi. Have you found it weird, like playing in a competition which you don't really follow as much as you normally would? Yeah, yeah, it is weird. Like you sort of don't really know what to expect initially. And then new sort of challenges every week and it's a bit different, but it's cool coming up against like, you know, foreign guys that you've either played with or, or watched and it's cool catching up with them after the game. Yeah, that's the one thing you notice when you get over there is hey, how many guys um, who you haven't seen for years popping up in all sorts of Japanese leagues and you're playing against them and you're like, oh shit, that's where you've been for the last Eight years, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's crazy. Okay, last question. Question I ask everyone. Always like to finish on some inspiration. And going from what you've been through, oh, this could be the most inspiration out of them all. Best piece of advice you have for our Water Lad listeners? Oh, it's always a tough one. Um, I think, like, just what resonates with me the most is probably just be patient. Like, there's... There's just no point worrying about what other people are doing around you in terms of what you want to achieve. And with that, just probably like know who you listen to is a massive one. Any tips on being patient? Obviously, a lot of young guys coming through, um, 
always feel like they're in a race, always comparing with other guys from their age groups or um, guys who they might have been in um, New Zealand 20s with have kicked on a lot quicker. Have you got any techniques you use to stay patient? Yeah, I sort of struggled with that a little bit as well. Like when I first moved down to Christchurch, there were guys that were already signed NPC Crusaders contracts and I just remember talking to my teacher at school and he just he just kept saying to me like you're in you're in the right place just just do your time and if you keep setting small goals along the way and you know just don't question you know your work ethic you just got to work harder and do everything you can then you know that's that's really all you can all you can do but it's crazy how it, it catches up like school stuff doesn't really matter so I guess for young guys like you got so much time so yeah just be patient mm, mate that is powerful love that what a way to finish the podcast one of the great journeys and what a lad you are as everyone promised me um, you have definitely delivered one of the greats that teacher sounds like he had a, a massive influence on you and um, no doubt in the future you're going to be having that influence on so many other kids as you Finish your rugby career, hopefully kick the winning goal for the All Blacks over in France and then um, life after footy, inspiring the next generation as a school teacher. Looking forward to following it, mate. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Um, no, I love your work eh? and thanks for having me on. It's been um, good to have you on. Appreciate it. Mate, you're a lad. Appreciate it, mate. Cheers. Cheers.